Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host Viz from Walking Dead Now. Want to welcome all of our viewers from around the world. If you are joining us for the first time and want more information about our show, please visit us on the web at deadtalklive.com. And as always, if you have yet to do so, please visit us on YouTube. Our channel's name is Walking Dead Now, and please go ahead and subscribe. If you're there right now, it'd be much appreciated if you guys hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. So before we get started, as always, let me say hello to some of you guys. On Let's start with Instagram tonight. Marie is moderating as always. We have April with us. Ali is joining us and waving at us. Narinder is joining us. Ajink is with us. Uh, Ayurka Jawa is also joining us. On the YouTube side and Facebook and Twitter, let's see. We have our regulars Khaleesi. Jason Byrne is with us. Gypsy Road is with us. Welcome, Gypsy. Carlos Andres is with us on Facebook. Lindsay Sparks, our regular, is also joining us from Canada on Facebook as well. So welcome, welcome to all you guys. Hope you could spend the next hour here with us as we discuss some of the latest headlines in regards to The Walking Dead and go over tonight's topic. And tonight's topic, we are going to be talking about PTSD in the post-apocalyptic world. And God knows there's plenty of that going around. So, but before we get started, a uh, reminder, tomorrow is Walking Dead Sunday, which means we will not be on the air. We are coming back on Monday night with our very, very special guest, Zoe Coletti, who plays Dakota, Virginia's sister on Fear the Walking Dead. That is this Monday right here on Dead Talk Live on our regular time, 9.30 p.m. Eastern U.S. time. Want to welcome Lucky, who's joining us on Facebook. Philip has also joined us on Facebook as well. Uh, OOP has joined us on Instagram. IPEL has joined us on Instagram. Bagasus has joined us on Instagram. Welcome to all you guys. So let's get right to it, okay? There are some several interesting headlines that made the... I don't want to use the word news, but opinion pieces. Let's call them opinion pieces. First one on the list, I guess this is kind of news. Uh, Norman Reedus is is launching a new horror series. Now, that's fascinating. According to Deadline, the actor will be producing a TV adaptation of the cult horror classic Sorority House Massacre. Oh, my God. I love that movie. Originally released in 1986 and spawning two sequels. Gypsy, do you remember Sorority House Massacre? Uh, I know Gypsy's a longtime horror fan like I am. I don't know if he, he's seen or remembers Sorority House Massacre. And just like the title implies, it was a Sorority House Massacre. Back in the days where uh, the day of the slasher, you know, Friday the 13th, Halloween, where the big horror draw was watching teenagers get killed by these boogeymen. Uh, the original slasher movie is a story about a woman who was the victim of an attempted murder as a child. Years later, she and a group of her sorority sisters are stalked by a psychopathic killer who is back to finish the job. He is teaming up with 
Utopia Originals, Robert Schwartzman, Shout Studios, and Hedwig and the Angry Inch creator, Stephen Trask, on the project. I could not be more excited to collaborate with Robert and his incredible team at Utopia on this project, Rita said in a statement. Their taste and creative vision are inspiring and exactly in line with the kind of content that Big Bald Head set out to develop. Now, if you guys, I'm sure you guys already all know this, Big Bald Head is, is a production banner that is run by Norman. And it's also his uh, username on pretty much all his social media. Uh, Instagram, if you want to find Norman Reedus, the name is Big Bald Head. That's how you find him. And that's that's a very interesting name. And it took me a while when I first found Reedus on uh Instagram, I'm like, damn, big bald head, what's that about? And then I realized soon later on it was the name of his production company. The Walking Dead has announced that it will be ending after its 11th season, which will carry into 2022. However, there are bonus episodes to look forward to next year, as well as festive special, which will also include feature faces from spinoffs Fear the Walking Dead and The Walking Dead World Beyond. And they are talking about that Christmas special where stars from all three shows are going to be getting together. It's not going to be a scripted show. It's going to be them interacting virtually, uh, kind of like the Walking Dead family hangout that happened back in October. God, that seems so long ago. It was just last month. Uh, Summer has joined us on Facebook. Uh, Lindsay writes, that's awesome. Go Norman Reedus. Uh, let's see. Kitty C has joined us on YouTube. Uh, Gypsy writes, that is interesting. Eduardo is with us on Instagram. So next on the list. Now this is uh, a question title. And uh, the headline is, does anyone still care about Rick Grimes' fate? And the answer to that is Yes. We care uh, very, very much about Rick Grimes' fate. But let's see what they have to say. AMC's The Walking Dead has always diverged from its source material in significant ways. They are talking about the comic books. The most recent example is the importance of Rick Grimes to the narrative. Grimes was the main character of the comic book, so much so that the series ended with the issue that followed his death. Rick's exit from the show wasn't fatal, but it was intended to be permanent. While the show moved on without him, Andrew Lincoln would reprise the role in a series of movies. At the time, it seemed like an important compromise that would keep fans happy while maintaining a vital part of the mythos intact. However, two years later, it doesn't feel as essential, and I'm really sorry they feel that way. The television side of The Walking Dead has moved on from Rick in more ways than one, with the show intending to wrap up with season 11 several years after his departure. And with that said, I think where they're getting at is that the show is doing very well, even though Rick is gone. We just finished an amazing season 10. So hats off for that one to Angela Kang 
and all the other executive producers, and of course the other cast and crew as well. In Rick's place, Norman Reedus, Daryl Dixon, has stepped into his role as the main protagonist of the series. Daryl and Melissa McBride's Carol will also star in a spinoff after the original show ends. It will be part of a full slate of Walking Dead shows, including Fear and, of course, World Beyond. The Walking Dead world has expanded beyond where it was when Rick made his exit from the show. It helps that characters like Daryl and Negan have been able to fill the void. The sheer volume of characters in the franchise across every show makes it easy for fans to pick a new fan favorite or two. It certainly proved that The Walking Dead can survive without Rick. I agree with that. Furthermore, fans certainly won't be starved for Walking Dead content when the original show ends, so anticipation for Rick's return doesn't seem to be too high, and I totally disagree with that. Trust me, guys, I get a lot of messages every day. We have like 340,000 combined followers between YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, So, you know, I get my fair share of messages and what they're saying here about the interest in Rick Grimes dwindling could not be any more false. Um, Furthermore, okay, I read that part. Along with this, the COVID-19 is delaying Rick's return in his upcoming film. Robert Kirkman gave a brief update about the movie in July, assuring fans that work is proceeding on the film's behind the scenes. He also said the delay will improve the quality of the movie, giving the creators more time to cook this thing and make sure it's perfect. Uh, As encouraging as this might be for diehards, it's hard for the less invested to to get excited about such little detail. And I think they have that reversed. It's actually the less invested fans of the show that are way more interested about the fate of Rick Grimes. The fans that watch it every week, uh, you know, without any delay, they appreciate the show and how it's moved on and appreciate, we still miss Rick. I was Rick's biggest fan. I miss Rick. But we still can appreciate how, you know, how Norman, Melissa, Jeffrey Dean Morgan have all stepped up to the plate that, yeah, this show can continue. It can still be just as good as it was, even with Rick Grimes not in the TV show. It's the less invested fans who really were not really watching it religiously every week, watched it every now and again, every now and again, that are more invested into Rick. They are the Rick Grimes fans. And once he left, they might have stopped watching And they're the ones that are really asking, when is he coming back? How is he coming back? When are we going to see the character of Rick Grimes again? So, it's possible that Rick hasn't been gone long enough for fans to miss him. While he's been absent for two years, he was a central player for nine seasons. Given how familiar fans are with him, it may take a longer absence for hearts to grow fond of Rick again or they may need a reminder of why they liked the character so much initially. With World Beyond, 
making use of post-credit scenes, Rick could have his own Nick Fury moment leading into the movies, which could build the necessary hype. It also wouldn't hurt World Beyond to get the buzz of a Rick appearance. That's not going to happen. It would definitely bolster its appeal to a lapsed and casual Walking Dead fans. It's impossible to tell how well-received Rick's cinematic return will be until the movie is finally released. Whether its COVID delays lead to a better product or not is one issue at hand. The other will be how excited fans are to see Rick again after his absence. It's possible fans will have decided that the post-apocalypse has moved beyond the need for Rick, although that seems unlikely. Well, I'm glad they at least acknowledged that in the end. So, I don't agree with what they're saying. Interest in Rick Grimes is at an all-time high. And I believe as we get further away from his time that he left the show, that interest is only going to grow exponentially. Now, what kind of reaction is the movie going to get when it hits the theaters? And the plan is still for it to come out in movie theaters. Now, you guys know we are living in an ever-changing world. Every day with this pandemic going on, we don't know what the next day is going to bring. Now, filming on the movie has not started. This COVID pandemic is not going away. In fact, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. So, there's a lot of stuff up in the air. And we as fans have to be patient. Also, I want to applaud AMC for taking a big initiative and sort of leading the way for how, you know, this pandemic is not only going to change how we live our day-to-day lives, but it's also going to change how we watch our entertainment. A lot of it is going to shift from the movie theaters to at-home viewing. We already have huge amounts of entertainment available to us at home uh, with all these streaming video on demand services that is only going to increase and when i say i applaud amc and what they're doing i applaud that they are expanding the walking dead universe on many different platforms not only on the spin-off shows on amc but they've created a dedicated channel on imdb tv that is called the Walking Dead Universe Experience. 24 hours nonstop Walking Dead content. And it's expanded into Twitch as well. So you see, they see where the future is going and they want to get a leg up on it. They want to be one of the first ones. And I think that's absolutely awesome that they're seeing the writing on the wall. And yet we still have some other studios and networks. And I understand, movies is a big business. Movie theaters are a big business. And it makes me very, very sad that the fate of us going to the movies is really up in limbo. We don't know when we're going to be able to safely go back into a movie theater and watch movies again. Movie theaters are open. There's like big restrictions, 25 people, uh here in the U.S., depending on which state you live in, some states have a restriction of only 25 people allowed at a time. There are new movies starting to trickle out, but there is such a backlog of blockbuster films 
that are ready to go, that are being delayed, uh, for the hope that they are going to be released in the movie theater. Now, as this pandemic continues to rage on, rage on, not showing any signs of letting up, not showing that any signs of it getting better anytime soon, and we, as the people living in this world, just have to be patient and wait it out and do the best that we can to keep us safe, keep each other safe. So the fate of the movie theater is up in limbo. So we just have to wait and see whether these movie studios reach a point where they say, hey, you know what? This is not this is not going the way that we expected it to. Too much time has passed. We have all these backlogs of movies, blockbuster movies. There are some big movies. We went through a whole summer season, which is the big movie season, where nothing got released. So there's a huge backlog of movies that are just sitting on a shelf collecting dust for people waiting to watch them. Ultimately, what I think is going to happen is they're going to give in and release them at home. They're going to release them to paid streaming video on demand services like Fandango Now and, uh, and so on. Voodoo, you name it. Amazon Prime. That's how we're going to get to watch these movies. Are they going to make the same kind of profit as opposed to it going to the movie theater? No, it's going to be less. And the reason it's going to be less is because someone can buy the movie for 20, 30 bucks and have their, fr- their whole family come over and watch it for the same 20, 30 dollars, as opposed to all of them going to the movie theater and each, in each of them having to pay anywhere between 15 to 20 dollars just to get in and watch the movie. So that's all I'm going to say about that. And I, I think I was inte- I, th- I think I said a lot more than I was intending to say when I started this. So, uh, let's see what's going on. What are you guys are saying? Uh, Lila is with us. Uh, Gypsy says, I just watched Freaky yesterday. Arsto is with us on YouTube saying that was a good movie. Little Phil says, I think uh, you're thinking about the masked man killing began for her. That's a new perspective. Uh, Gypsy Road writes, I'm an A-list member with AMC, so that's why I go every week. Kitty C is with us on uh, YouTube asking, what is World Beyond all about? Uh, Well, we're only seven episodes in, so if you want to catch up, and if you have the opportunity to catch up, I would definitely recommend, because if you're interested in the Rick Grimes movies, watching World Beyond is going to be a must. Because World Beyond is the big lead-in to the Rick Grimes movies. So, you're most welcome, Lila. Uh, let's see. We have Ihero giving us a smiley love face on Instagram. Greg is also waving at us on Instagram. Welcome to all you guys. Now, let's move on to our next piece. Now, this is no surprise. Fear the Walking Dead Season 6 is the best-rated season with audiences and critics. No surprise. This season has been phenomenal. Phenomenal so far. And uh, shoot, we still have two more episodes uh, left in this half. Remember, I mentioned it a couple of days ago. We're only going to get seven episodes for the, for the first half of Fear. But it's still slated to be a 16-episode season. So that means we're going to get uh, nine episodes 
probably starting in February of Fear of the Walking Dead. Anyway, it goes on to say that Fear of the Walking Dead Season 6 is now the best-rated season of the Walking Dead spinoff on review aggregator Rotten Tomatoes, where the anthology-style sixth season sits at an 86% fresh rating. The well-received sixth season is a 180 for the Fear After the Companion series in 2019, aired the worst-reviewed episode of either show during its fifth season, which was the only rotten season the Walking Dead universe franchise until The Walking Dead World Beyond. Fear Season 5, which is ranked at 55%, is now the second lowest-rated season of the franchise following the October start of the two-season limited event series, World Beyond, which currently holds a 38% approval from critics on Rotten Tomatoes. And yeah, all right, I could see how it has that kind of rating on Rotten Tomatoes. They are leading up. They are leading up. And I think these last three episodes of World Beyond, we're going to get some really big surprises. So I'm really interested and very much excited to see these last three episodes of World Beyond before the season one wraps up and we have to wait for season two. Fear the Walking Dead's ongoing season six, the third season from showrunners Andrew Shambliss and Ian Goldberg, and also the third season when, since Michael Satrazimus moved over to the show, currently holds an 86% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes to top the 84% scored by the David Erickson Rand Season 3. The new season also secured the best audience score in the series history with an 86% rating, overtaking Season 3, which was rated at 78%, Season 4, which was rated at 65%, Season 1, 62 Season 2, 59 and then, of course, Season 5, 43%. Those numbers put Fear's Season 6 in the upper percentile of the franchise seasons, and they're talking about all the three different shows together, which is huge. It's great, and I've said it before, this season of Fear the Walking Dead ranks right up there with some of the best seasons that we have gotten on The Walking Dead. The current season is now ranked 6th place for the overall Walking Dead series, behind only The Walking Dead Seasons 9 and 10, both with 91%, Season 5, very close behind, with 90%, Season 1, 87%, and Season 3, 88%. So you can see that the majority of The Walking Dead, uh, the mother show, 10 seasons have all been ranked really, really high. And this last uh, season 10, I mean, it's, it was phenomenal. And it ranked just slightly higher than what a lot of people call their favorite season of The Walking Dead, and that is season five. Season five was the peak of The Walking Dead. They were getting 15 plus million viewers a week. And... To see these numbers and have and see that this season that just ended, season 10, 
be ranked slightly higher than season five, I totally agree with that. It's like I said, I can't say it enough. The season that just ended with the Whisperers was freaking phenomenal. Responding to the broadly negative response to Fear's fifth season, series executive producer and Walking Dead chief content officer Scott Gimple said the season was only half of a whole, with the sixth season filling in the other half. We've been lucky enough on that show to be able to do these long-range plans, Gimple told Entertainment Weekly earlier this year. Season 5 was about setting up this journey, about these characters that they're on through. They're on to Season 6. And I think people are going to see the relationship between the two seasons. Gimple went on to compare its reception to the second season of The Walking Dead, which found new life when viewers revisited and binge-watched the mostly farm-set season two on Netflix. I am curious how people will watch Fear Season 5 in the future. Season 2 of The Walking Dead, when we did it, we were all assailed in a lot of ways. And I've said this before, guys. When Season 2 of The Walking Dead, I know a lot of you guys watching uh, binged your way through Season 2. I was watching it live. And I remember going on social media, going, you know, now this is going back nine, eight, nine years ago to season two, where Twitter was like the hottest thing. And I would go on Twitter after an episode of season two of The Walking Dead, and everybody, almost everybody was bitching about it. It's boring, it's slow, it sucks, but now what... And this is in relation to what Gimple is saying on how history will judge how good of a season is. That's what he's trying to get to. Now, season two is like one of the most loved seasons of The Walking Dead. But I remember watching it live and then hitting social media afterwards to see what other people are saying about it. And they were pissed. They were pissed. They're like, this is so boring. That farm is so boring. Herschel is boring. Well, that certainly changed. Uh, so, Gimple does go on, go on to say, why are they on the farm? Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? I think in subsequent years, people watching that season had different takes. And that's absolutely accurate. Because like I said, season two, by talking to you guys every night, hearing your messages every day. Season two is one of the most beloved seasons of The Walking Dead for a lot of uh, the fans out there. Uh, he continued this season five as a piece setting up for season six into a truly serialized entertainment. I think people might see the relationship and the journey, why the journey went the way it did. I was so happy with the way that everybody did it. I really think it did come together in the end in this really tragic way that we could not have gotten to without the journey that we had been on. And he's referring to season five. Last season ended with Morgan shot left for dead by Virginia inside the Walker swarmed Humbug's Gulch. 
in the sixth season, which airs its mid-season finale, episode six, uh, sorry, season six, episode seven, on November 22nd. So that means, guys, we just have tomorrow's episode and then one more. And then we're going to have to wait till February for season six of Fear the Walking Dead to continue. Uh, Morgan is methodically reuniting his group of zombie apocalypse survivors who were split up and and dispersed across Virginia's settlements. So there you go. Uh, Philip on Facebook writes, some of it was slow. Some of it was well good. Uh, Khaleesi writes, season two, the episode with Sophia coming out of the barn is what sealed my love for The Walking Dead. Me too. Me too. That mid-season finale, season two, when I watched it live on TV, that's what cemented me as a Walking Dead fan for life. That's the shock factor. Uh, The first real, real Walking Dead shock factor scene that we have gotten. Uh, to the show up until that point and for me that was just such a wow moment i'm like oh my god and i told you guys the story it's been a while for some of our new viewers i'll say it again when i watched that episode live god this is going back uh eight eight years ago uh i have three kids you know now they're all teenagers but back then they were they were young uh my youngest was like five and there were like five, seven, and eight, five, seven, and nine, somewhere around there. God, I can't remember my own kid's age nine years ago. But anyway, I was so psyched up about this scene. And me growing up with horror movies and watching them since the age of five, I gathered all three of my kids to watch Shane's tirade and to show my kids the walkers coming out of the barn getting mowed down by the survivors and seeing Sophia come out because it was such a wow moment for me and I wanted to share it with my kids. Huge mistake. (laughs) Huge mistake. To all the dads, moms out there, don't do that because it's going to freak the shit out of your kids and it freaked the shit out of my kids. And my wife, yeah, she let me have it. She tore into me on that one. Not my best dad decision. (laughs) Not my best dad decision that I've ever made. But I was just so excited at that scene. And I wanted to share it with my children. But I just did not quite factor in that they're still a little too young to handle this kind of material. But anyway, luckily that was a long time ago. (laughs) Uh, Let's see what you guys are saying. MS on uh, Instagram writes, I think it was because it was a standstill, but moved when they did have to leave the farm. That's absolutely accurate. Y0 is with us, waving at us on Instagram. Uh, Philip writes, uh, it scared my kids as well. Uh, Jason on YouTube writes, I bet you, you blubbed like a baby when Sophia was killed. No, I didn't cry. I was shocked. I didn't cry. It was an emotional scene. Um, Singer writes, the pilot is what hooked me. Seeing Al acting uh, chops when Rick fell onto the floor crying, screaming, slapping his face. That was it. Uh, Welcome to Justin Barrett on YouTube. So let's move on to the next piece. God, we're already 32 minutes into this. Fear the Walking Dead Season 6, Episode 6. Could John and June 
leave? I don't think so. Given everything that John Dory has gone through on Fear of the Walking Dead Season 6 so far, we can't blame him for wanting to hightail it out of Ginny's compound. He's been manipulated and put in a terrible position. The Janna situation in particular comes to mind. Also, he's in a spot now where he has back the person he wanted to be around the most, and that is June. So why stay put now? That's at least his mindset, as in the sneak peek below, well, that we saw he has a discussion with June about some other options. It's a legitimate debate in his mind, but we also have a hard time thinking that this is something they are really going to end up doing. And personally, I don't really see John Dory and June just splitting and leaving all their friends there to, well, take care of themselves. What's going to be happening here? Well, we just have a feeling that a lot of our heroes are going to find an opportunity to eventually reunite by the end of the series. It's mostly just a matter of when that is going to happen. And what role these two characters could have in trying to make that happen. Um, clearly, this entire sneak peek is just a reminder of how badly John wants a little bit of an escape and to be happy. With that being said, though, June questions if that is just a temporary fix and also if it is going to weigh heavily on them as they had a chance to help a lot of other people and didn't up ultimately doing so. Also, what role is Luciana going to have all this? Luciana, who we have yet to see this season. I mean, we are two episodes from the mid-season uh, finale, sorry, one episode, and then the mid-season finale, and we still have not seen Danae Garcia. We don't know what's going on with Luciana. Uh, so, as far as we know, she's still back in the oil pits, the oil fields, refining uh, oil for Virginia. That's our assumption. Uh, we know already that she is going to have a big role in this installment as well though the specific parameters of this episode remain to be seen. So finally, tomorrow, we are going to get to see what is going on with Luciana and how is she adapting to her new role of uh, working with Virginia. If you guys remember back in season five, Luciana willingly agreed to stay behind and refine the fuel for Virginia but Virginia had to let her friends go at that moment. In the end, Virginia got Luciana and she got all of the other, all of her friends as well. So, uh, but we're looking at that with 2020 hindsight. So, uh, let's see. Uh, I do want to get into today's topic. I know I have a couple more news stories here. I actually just have one. Uh, and I'll just quickly skim through this. World Beyond ruins its story by repeating The Walking Dead in fear. World Beyond's AMC coming of age ruins its own story by repeating the initial plot of its predecessors, The Walking Dead and fear. Despite the fact World Beyond is set 10 years after the initial outbreak in a well-organized community, the protagonists live a sheltered existence and have little to no experience facing the dangers beyond their walls. 
With this in mind, World Beyond begins in much the same way as The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead, with its leading characters learning to deal with zombies for the first time. All right, I see where they're going with this. After receiving a message, of course, the group sets out on a journey, given the fact that the community in World Beyond had a whole decade to prepare. One would expect there would be experts at weathering the apocalypse, but only the security officers, Felix and Huck, appear to have the experience fighting the empties. They're glossing over the fact that everybody does go through a training class in World Beyond in the Omaha colony before it was annihilated by the CRM that teaches them how to protect themselves if they found themselves in danger at any time. Uh, by endowing Iris and Hope with the same experience as previous Walking Dead protagonists, World Beyond missed its opportunity to bring a whole new perspective to The Walking Dead. And on and on and on. Not much really worth reading in that. So let's just get started with our topic for tonight. Tonight we are going to be talking about PTSD in the apocalypse, okay? Uh, the Walking Dead universe became the perfect environment for PTSD and trauma. And it we have seen a lot of that already. Of course, the first person that comes to our mind is Sadiq. It was very obvious, his PTSD. Uh, it was a very critical part to the storyline. I'm surprised that we don't see more of it, you know? And you can argue both, arg- you know, both arguments there both sides of the fence because the way these characters change as the apocalypse progresses is their ptsd it's how they are dealing with their ptsd the change of who they were into what they are is because of the trauma they have faced the losses they've had to endure and all that combined together puts together each and every character's own story arc in the Walking Dead universe. So let's go ahead and start with Rick Grimes. Since day one, Rick has been clearly exhibiting signs of PTSD, and it was surely amplified by the reoccurrence of trauma throughout his entire time on the show. This is because of the series' unfortunate events that he had to endure, such as waking up from a coma, to find that the world around him had completely changed. And yeah, that's just not a nice way to wake up. He has seen multiple people die. That's putting it mildly, including his loved ones, friends, and children, some even by his own hands. We also can mention the killing of his best friend, Shane, and the death of his wife, Lori, where he started seeing them everywhere through a series of hallucinations where he really lost his sanity there for a while. Rick becomes distant and hardened after killing Shane. That's a huge pivot moment, huge pivot moment for Rick Grimes as a character. And then after losing Laurie, he is totally withdrawn, even refusing to acknowledge the birth of his daughter who's not really his daughter, but is his daughter, and that's Judith. With Herschel's help and new threats, the group had to face in season three, of course, the governor. Rick does regain his sanity because he had to. He had no choice. 
and luckily he was able to pull it back together again. The war with the governor, the whole bad experience with the Terminus people. Uh, there is no wonder that after Terminus, Rick absolutely trusted no one. Absolutely no one. If he did not already know you, if he did not consider you family, we remember that journey all the way uh, after Terminus up to Virginia and when he first encountered Aaron. Uh yeah, he wasn't taking any chances. We all remember the encounter when we first got to meet Aaron, when Aaron was introduced to us, you know, stranger danger. <laughs> I love that line from Aaron when we first see him, when he sees Ma Maggie and Sasha. Uh, but yeah, Rick wasn't trusting anyone. Next, Morgan Jones. Morgan is also introduced in the pilot episode when he feels obligated to help Rick and explain to him What's been happening to the world while he's been in a coma? We learned that uh, Morgan's wife, uh, Jenny, did turn into a zombie and that he did not have it in him to kill her, put her down. And that is a mistake because it ends up costing his son's life. Uh, we don't see him again after that pilot episode until season three, episode 12, the infamous episode called Clear. This is the reference to the whole clearing philosophy where Morgan is just dead set on killing everything that moves. Doesn't mean if you're doesn't matter if you're alive, dead. He is his mission, he's insane. He's just lost it. He's gone over the cliff. His mission is to kill everything that moves. Uh, he later adopts a new method of thinking consisting of all life is precious. And this is the roller coaster that we have seen with Morgan. And I said it and after the premiere of this uh, season six of Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah, we've got Killer Morgan back. But big difference from the Killer Morgan we have seen in the past. We have Killer Morgan back, but with his head screwed on right. We have a smarter Killer Morgan. He knows what to do. He has a plan in place. He has a place to bring his friends and anybody that's willing to join a community that is not run by Virginia. Big difference from the Morgan that we have seen in season three. Also going to season eight of The Walking Dead with All Out War. He was really messed up again. He went from All Life is Precious back to killing everybody. Uh... But now it's a different Morgan. It's not, you can't compare the killer Morgan we have now to back, you know, Morgan in season three and season eight of The Walking Dead. Uh, Lindsay Sparks writes, yep, I agree Rick changed after losing Shane, but the loss of Laurie broke him. It did. It absolutely did. Want to welcome Noam on Instagram. Uh... MS writes, can Fear the Walking Dead connect to the Walking Dead uh, world beyond? Yes, absolutely it can. Will it? I don't know. Their main connection now is the CRM. The CRM has been on Fear, obviously, with uh, Isabel and Al. And the CRM is the main storyline, really, in World Beyond. It's the main underlying storyline of uh, World Beyond. Um... MS also writes, did you hear that some YouTube channels are saying that Dwayne Morgan's son might be alive? Yeah, he's not. He's not. I've been hearing that for months now. 
before the premiere, before we saw the finale, a lot of people thought that that mass ninja person was Dwayne. It's not. Dwayne is dead. Dwayne is dead. Dwayne died. His mom, uh, who was a zombie, bit him. Dwayne turned. And that's when Morgan had to put down Dwayne and, uh, and his wife. So let's move on to Sasha. Uh, of course, we met Sasha and Tyrese in season three. After the downfall of the prison, Sasha forms a relationship with fellow newcomer Bob Stokey, Bobaholic, and he has a whole bunch of other names, Barbecue. Following the deaths of Bob and Tyrese, she suffers from severe PTSD, resulting in isolation and refusal of opening her emotional door to anyone who comes knocking. Her way of dealing with these traumatic experiences was to hunt and kill as many walkers as possible, even wasn't even when it wasn't necessary. And if you guys remember that from the entire group that made it all the way up to Virginia and into Alexandria, Sasha was the sharpshooter. She had the best shot out of everyone there. In the 10th episode of season 5, Sasha went as far as recklessly killing walkers on the street and accidentally slashes Abraham's arm, Michonne does stop Sasha in her track and gives her a stern warning to keep her from going on to this, continuing on, on this suicidal rampage. Three episodes later, when the group is settling into Alexandria, Sasha volunteers to be a sniper and works as many shifts as possible on the clock tower. This is her PTSD. She lost Bob. She lost her brother. She's lost everybody. And we have seen many different characters on this show and how differently they deal with loss. Uh, loss of friends, loss of family members, a loved one. After finding comfort in Abraham, who also is suffering PTSD symptoms similar to her own, Sasha does let her guard down and unfortunately, she loses Abraham uh, by Negan. This time, Sasha is able to think beyond her own grief to support and protect Maggie, who also has lost Glenn that same night and was suffering pregnancy complications. Later on, once Maggie was safe and out of danger, Sasha does, to go, does decide to go, to, uh, to go after Negan with Rosita, and when they make it to the fence, it's Sasha, the one that leaves Rosita behind, thinking that it's she has to be the one to do it. They both went there to the sanctuary to kill Negan. Sasha's quote referring to Negan was, one way or another, he's going to use me to hurt my friends, our friends, and there is nothing I can do about it except make sure I am not alive to give him the chance. If he has me, he will hurt them. I have to die. It's the only way. And that goes back to another episode we had a while ago on how Sasha really died a hero, taking her own life so she will not be used as a pawn for Negan to play Rick in the gang. This really shows us how good of a person she was. She really did care about her friends and chose their lives over her own. The ultimate sacrifice. Uh, 
Rosita shared the same trauma as Sasha as they both went on this suicidal mission together. However, Rosita is still alive and she has a baby daughter with Sadiq named Coco. After Sadiq's unexpected death at the hands of Dante, Rosita starts to experience nightmares where she and Coco face imminent death. Now, this brings us to our biggest PTSD character because so much attention was focused on it on screen because it was a big part of the storyline. That is, of course, Sadiq. Sadiq, of course, the Alexandrian doctor. It was really Carl sacrificed his life for Sadiq. That's how I always saw it. And that's why Sadiq's loss was a real gut punch for me. Because for me, I saw, okay, we lost Carl. That's something we all have to get over. And we got Sadiq, who was a great character, played by Avi Nash. When we lost Avi as Sadiq on The Walking Dead, for me, it was a real gut punch. Uh, following the end of the Savior War, Sadiq becomes the doctor at the kingdom when Ezekiel organizes a fair with all four communities coming together. Of course, we have the infamous Kingdom uh, Fair Massacre orchestrated by Alpha. Uh, our protagonists are in shock when they find a very beaten, tied up Sadiq. He's tied up to a tree, but more in shock when they find the heads of their loved ones on spikes on a nearby hill. There were like 10 of them. God damn, we lost 10 people. Uh, just goes to show you how ruthless Alpha Alpha was. And it begs the question, if Lydia would have came back with her, would she still have killed all those people? We don't know. We really don't know. She kidnapped them. She had them held in the barn. And it's when Lydia refused to go back with Alpha that she came back to that barn and beheaded all of them. Now, would she have not done that if Lydia came back? We don't know. We have no idea. Singer check on YouTube writes, well, yeah, I guess Sadiq did have the worst case, but man, Carol was bad too. Oh, Carol is suffering an endless, endless case of PTSD. Uh, her PTSD, there's no light at the end of the tunnel for Carol's character. So how that plays out moving forward, we just have to wait and find out. I uh, want to welcome Noah, who's with us. Wrestlewood is saying hello on Instagram. Uh, Noah writes, Lydia is love. So, Sadiq, Sadiq does tell them the horror that he was made to witness and how they were protecting each other like family. Although they failed, they died as heroes. That's how Sadiq wants them remembered. However, Sadiq cannot get over the incident can't blame him. The massacre haunts him all the time and he experiences random flashbacks of people getting decapitated. The PTSD he suffers gets worse with each episode when faced with stitching Carol's wounds, his vision blurs, and then we have Dante, the Whisperer spy, and he was there. He was also there in the barn he was the one, he was the whisperer that was making Sadiq keep his eyes open 
and watch as each one of his friends got massacred. Uh, in his desperation, Sadiq is seen in another episode putting his face into a bowl of water with ice to rid himself of the hallucinations. He also attempted suicide. He threw himself into the lake, and it was Rosita that drove in after him and rescued him. So, yeah, you know, when we lost Sadiq, it was a gut punch for me. And that whole Dante twist and how completely different Dante's character played out in the TV show as opposed to Dante's character in the comic books was huge. It was it was enormous. In the comic books, Dante is a protagonist. He's not a spy. He's not a whisperer. He has feelings for Maggie, and for them to twist it around was brilliant. Uh, make him uh, a double agent who infiltrated Alexandria. Alpha picked him for a reason. That's just, again, it shows you how smart, uh, cunning, manipulative she is. She knew he would be the right person for the job. She wasn't afraid of him being exposed to the life inside of a quote-unquote civilized community, which totally went against Alpha's teachings that those kind of places do not exist anymore. She knew she could trust him, and he carried out his mission. He poisoned the water, got a lot of people sick. When that whisperer was caught by Carol and brought back to Alexandria for interrogation, Dante was the one that uh, poisoned him with hemlock for him not caving in and answering Carol's questions. He might have seen him as a liability to his cover. We don't know if he knew who Sadiq was, if he recognized him. Either way, Sadiq got rid of him. He killed him, and it was very easy with the trauma that, uh, you know, it was very easy for Dante with the, the trauma, the PTSD that Sadiq was suffering to easily turn it around and make it look like Sadiq screwed up and he's the one that put the hemlock in the medical bag and not Dante. Uh, Khaleesi writes, Sadiq's death really, really hurt me. Jason on YouTube writes, I would say Jim suffered PTSD just before he was bitten. Oh my God, how can we forget about Jim? Uh, who was our guest, Andrew Rothenberg, all the way back in season one. Yeah, Jim had some major PTSD going all the way back to season one. Uh, we all know Jim. I don't have to describe Jim for you guys to remember who he was. Uh, Jim was digging those holes. Shane confronts him, trying to figure out what are you doing. Uh, they get into a confrontation. Shane does put him down so he won't hurt himself or anybody else. And that's where we hear Jim's story, okay? How he explains the only reason he got away was because the dead were too busy eating his own family. And that's the only reason why he's alive. And the amount of guilt that he was feeling, uh, you know, hats off to Andrew Rothenberg who played Jim and how that was portrayed and that moment when, when Shane has him on the ground and we hear his story, uh, brilliant. And then, of course, 
when the camp in season one gets raided by the walkers, when we lose uh, Andrea's sister, Amy, played by Emma Bell, uh, and of course, Jim gets bitten, and he's scared. Um, Jacqueline, Jackie, sorry, sees that he's hurt and assumes that he's bitten, tells everybody, and he's scared. He doesn't know what's going to happen, and Jim getting bitten is what prompts Rick to want to go to the CDC. Shane wants to go to a military base. Luckily, they didn't go to Fort Benning because it was overrun. Anyways, they did go to the CDC, and that's the season finale of season one with Jenner, and we got some great information in regards to what's going on with this virus and so on. So absolutely, Jason, Jim suffered huge PTSD. And the question is, it's not who has suffered PTSD in the Walking Dead universe. The question is, is there anybody who has not suffered PTSD trauma in the Walking Dead universe? Because everyone has. Everyone has suffered trauma. Everyone is going through their PTSD. Whether it's displayed the way Sadiq, uh, whether it was shown the way Sadiq was experiencing it, it, or whether it's through character arc and huge pivot moments that causes the characters to change from the person that they used to be. So anyway, guys, thank you so much. This hour is up. It goes by so fast. I know I say that every night, but it's absolutely true. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Uh, Please enjoy your Walking Dead Sunday tomorrow. Watch the shows, Fear the Walking Dead, and of course, World Beyond. They are both, uh, well, I haven't seen Fear yet. It's not available till tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to watching Fear tomorrow to another great episode. This is the episode before the mid-season finale. So we're going to start seeing some really crazy stuff happening. Also visit our website, deadtalklive.com. Uh, visit our YouTube channel, which is called Walking Dead Now. Please go ahead and subscribe if you have yet to do so. If you're there right now, it'd be appreciated if you guys hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. We're off tomorrow. We're not on the air tomorrow. We'll be back Monday night with our very special guest, Zoe Coletti, who plays Virginia's sister, Dakota, on Fear the Walking Dead. I'm very much looking forward to this interview on Monday and getting to meet and talk to Zoe. It's going to be fascinating. So I encourage you guys to tune in. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, guys. Stay safe in this crazy world that we're currently living in. I'll see you Monday. And until Monday, stay walking.